0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. All right, what is up, Colts fans? Happy Monday to you. This is the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast coming back to you just like the Colts came back against the Packers on Sunday. I'm your host, Jake Arthur, on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes as well so we can get more eyes and ears on our show. Thank you guys for joining me after a huge Colts win over the Green Bay Packers in overtime, 34-31. to The Colts overcame a 28-14 to halftime deficit. It took all four quarters and then some, and the offense, defense, and special teams all stepped up in a major way, no matter if they tried to penalize their way out of the victory. We'll get to that later. Ultimately, rookie kicker Rodrigo Blankenship nailed a 39-yard field goal in overtime to end the game. It's the Colts' best start through 10 games since 2013, and they have now swept the NFC North 4-0, doing so for the first time since 2004. The Colts are winners of two straight games and four of their last five. At 7-3, and three, they maintain control of the AFC South and are the fourth seed in the AFC playoff picture race for now as they move into yet another matchup with the Tennessee Titans next week. Both of those teams sit at 7-3 after overtime wins in Week 11, and they will now be a game up on each other after their matchup next week. But for now... We talk about the Colts in this win over the Packers. Before we get into that breakdown, let's turn to our sponsor. Today's show is brought to you once again by Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. When we checked in on our pregame show, the Colts were one point favorites for the combined over-under of 51 points. Hopefully you took the Colts and the over. Personally, in my pregame picks, I had the Packers winning and the over on points, so my blunder on that one. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Some of the main storylines in this game, uh, we'll start out with injuries, of course. Starting defensive end and the team's leading sacker, Danico Autry, was placed on the COVID reserve list earlier this week. He was replaced in the starting lineup by Taekwon Lewis. Komoko Toure also returned for the first time since week five of last year, uh, and he played 10 snaps. He was obviously on a snap count, but his role is likely to increase as, as the season progresses. Ben Banigou was a healthy scratch yet again in a game where they were without Autry, so that is pretty telling. Uh, it's, it's of course, not a death sentence for his time here. We, we've seen, you know, Tyquan Lewis turn things around from last year going into this year, for example. Uh, the Colts were also without starting right tackle Braden Smith, who was out with a thumb injury. Uh, he was initially replaced by LaRaven Clark for much of the first half, but then Chaz Green took over afterward uh they were also without kick returner Isaiah Rogers who was out with a knee injury. He was replaced by Tremont Smith as the kick returner. Uh there wasn't really many injuries of note throughout the game. Uh late in the game on on one play, Anthony Walker and Darius Leonard both did get banged up. Leonard stayed in but it looked like Walker kind of got his bell rung, but I'm I'm sure we'll find out more from head coach Frank Reich uh during his Monday afternoon media availability. In the second half, the Colts mounted their 14-point comeback. Uh, they started the half with four straight scoring drives, followed by a punt, end of regulation, and then the game-winning field goal. The defense held Green Bay to just three points. Uh, in the second half, they forced two punts, two fumbles, a turnover on downs, and one field goal in the second half, uh, and including overtime. The teams and quarterbacks had similar productivity, but the Colts made a big difference by going two of two on fourth down. They had 140 yards on the ground and they gave the ball away two fewer times than Green Bay did. A a big theme we can't ignore in this one were penalties, which were just nauseating. The Colts had eight for 116. Uh, A lot of those yardage, a lot of that yardage came on a, a pass interference call. And Green Bay also had seven for 45, so 15 penalties, and that's just the accepted ones. Uh, the Colts were trying to ice the game with just over two minutes left in regulation, but they just got railed with holding penalties. It was like any time they tried to run the ball, holding penalty. It was, it was kind of unbelievable. Uh, they had five penalties on that one drive alone. Another big theme in this game The rookies, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, both had great games for the offense. Michael Harris made a play or two. Julian Blackman made one of the biggest plays of the game. Uh, Jordan Glasgow, of course, in on special teams. Rob Windsor made his debut. And then, of course, Rodrigo Blankenship accounting for 14 of the Colts' 34 points. With this Colts comeback win, the 2020 NFL season now joins 2015 as the only seasons in NFL history in which at least one team has overcome a deficit of at least 13 points to win in each of the first 11 weeks of the season. After the game, Colts head coach Frank Reich spoke with the media. Here's what he had to say.
2: Okay, um, obviously, wow, wow, what a game. Exciting game. Great team win. Uh, you know, We, we obviously talked about all week, our focus was two things. Play together, and then um, we talked about the bigger the game, the smaller you, you got to make your world. Narrow things down, focus, and um, make it small, and then be and then be a beast in that small world. And I think that's what our guys did. You know, it didn't quite start out the way we wanted. I'm mean, you know we matched their energy, but um, you know we knew they'd score some points with you know with the quarterback that they have, but just didn't feel like we were opportunistic um, in the first half. And so we got down by 14, but uh, came in at halftime. And everybody was just you know what we had to do, just felt like we could dominate this game. Felt like we could take control. We talked about, let's take control of the second half. Let's talk, let's take control of the second half. We got the guys in here to do it. And uh, so let's just go out and do it one play at a time. And so I give the guys a lot of credit. They played hard. They never stopped leaving obviously against a very good football team, against a very, very well coached team, and um, the players just did a great job. So um, start start opening up for questions. All right,
3: George Bremer, you want to start us off? Coach, Julian Blackman continues to make big plays.
1: I know you probably got to watch the tape, but to split a, a double team on that screen and then get there to knock the ball out, how difficult an ask is that?
2: It's a yeah, it's a real difficult ask, but you know Julian is explosive and he does have that knack, and he is fearless. Um, he continues to make those kind of plays. Uh, he's you know he's consistent, but he also has that playmaking ability. And in a game like this, uh, you know we got a bunch of those guys that have to step up and, and make big time plays. And Julian certainly did that today.
3: Bob Kravitz.
2: I think you're on mute, Bob. Yeah, no, sorry about that. Frank, what do you know about this team now that you didn't know maybe a couple of weeks ago or at the start of the season? Just feel a resilience and a mental toughness, resilience and mental toughness um, two weeks in a row now against very good football teams, you know, in different ways, you know, take control of the game in the second half. Dave
3: hey, Griffiths. Hey, Coach, we just had Mr. Ursay on. He was talking about that last drive that you guys had in regulation on offense. Just the number of penalties or the penalties being ridiculous was the word he used. What was your impression of that last drive? Um, You know, I'm
2: disappointed that we didn't put it away. We got to do a better job. You know, when we're in that mode, it's elementary one. This is uh, is on me. Uh, This is really on me. That's elementary football when you're in that mode. You got to keep your hands inside. I got to be telling the guys that virtually on every play, reminding Philip to tell the guys in the huddle, keep your hands inside, keep your hands inside, um, and don't even give the don't even give the opportunity to call it. I mean, we'll we'll take a zero-yard game. We'll take a minus two. Just keep your hands inside. I obviously didn't get a look at the calls, so I, I'm not gonna, you know, I, I'm not gonna make a comment on the calls. All I know is we gotta we gotta coach that better and play that better. Joel
3: Erickson.
2: Frank, uh, Jim said that you guys had a conversation after the loss at Jacksonville. Uh, What did you take away from that conversation? Yeah, we had had a real long conversation. And, um, you know, number one, every time I talk to Mr. Ursa on the phone, I really am so thankful to work for the owner that I work for, because this guy, he just, he knows football through and through. So there were several things, you know, that I'll keep to myself that he said to me, And I'm not afraid to say this, you know, more educating me, you know, just more educating me. I mean, I just think it was at that level. Um, It was at that level and just really freeing me up as a coach. Um, You know, I think he said he had some insightful things just about how the play of a game goes. He had some insightful things to say about, you know, how to manage the team. Um, He's seen a lot over, over the course of his, uh, you know, career as, a, as the owner of this team. So I took it to heart, and there was a lot that he said that uh, that really meant a lot to me. And, you know, at the end of it, more than anything, it's just his support and belief. Mike Chapel. Frank, with the way that that last drive in regulation went and then they get a field goal and they get the ball, and, they, you know, first couple of positive plays, did you feel the momentum sort of slipping away until Blackman's play? Um, no, I didn't. I, you know, I just, you just had that belief, you know, I, when you're in a game like that, I don't know, it's just with our team, with our players. I just have so much confidence and belief that we're going to make the plays that are needed to win the game. And you know, Julian did that, yeah, you know, right when you need it the most, you know, going up against one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, finding a way to make a play that turns the game around. And um, so we, we just got to keep keep that formula going.
3: All right, we'll go two more.
2: Jim Aiello. Yeah, Frank, you just mentioned playing against one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Philip Rivers went toe-to-toe with him
3: today, it seemed like. I mean, the numbers are pretty comparable, and he led him on a number of drives. How, how good has Philip been, not just today, but over this last month?
2: philip toe you know, and, you know, Philip is in an elite category himself. We all know that, and he's been playing like that. He's been playing like an elite quarterback. He was in complete control out there, you know, made the plays that we needed to make, um, continues to be phenomenal in the pocket, phenomenal in decision making, and then just his accuracy, um, and then just the uncanny ability to make big plays when you really need it in the clutch. Follow up is how, how is he? Look like Follow he was up. limping around a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you'll see how he responds. I mean, just had a little toe, little toe thing. Didn't rule him out. Um, you know, they examined it, and he was able to continue to go. But um, so hopefully, hopefully, it doesn't get too sore and uh, continue to roll.
3: All right, last
1: one, Kevin Bowen. Frank, thoughts on your other quarterback today? Uh, Jim Merce called it a big spark. It was
2: a huge. Jacoby was lights out, was money. Um, you know, that was the plan all week. You know, to we had a number of plays. I told, you know, Nick and I and the offensive staff talked early in the week, let, let's make this a priority. You know, let, you know, we saw, let's just make it a priority. We can do the whole offense is open with Jacoby. This isn't just a, you know, quarterback sneak and quarterback read, you know, zone read stuff. You know, we feel confident calling anything with Jacoby and we will call anything with him. So, um, and he just, he's such a pro. He's such a pro and such a competitor. I thought Nick did a really good job of getting the offense prepared for that. You know, you guys saw how we were doing it. You know, Phillip was calling the play in the huddle and then um, then Jacoby's coming in. That's weird. That's got to be weird for a quarterback to go in and not call the play. Um, we talked about that during the week, but we just made sure we got enough reps at it. We thought that would be the most efficient way time-wise and, uh, and not let the defense adjust. So Jacoby, Jacoby did a phenomenal job. Mike hey, Wells.
3: Thank you, Coach. Hey, Mike, go ahead. Mike Wells.
2: Hey, Frank, I want to ask you, most teams, you're down 14
0: points at halftime, but you, and we we'll, probably will try to throw the football. Can you just, what was your your reasoning on saying, okay, instead of trying to get into an air show against Aaron Rodgers,
2: we're going to pound the ball over and over again and uh, run in the second half? You know, know, obviously, been in a lot of games where, um, I mean, 14 points isn't that much, to be honest with you. And there's plenty of time. And to be able to come out and run the ball the way we did, I just think builds momentum. I think even though we ended up having to kick a field goal, It just establishes a physical presence that we need and that we want. So I wasn't afraid to do that. You know, felt like we were blocking it well, running it well. So um, we just need to make sure, you know, we still were not good enough in the red zone. Um, You know, I think we were two for four. So we need to finish those drives with touchdowns.
1: Offensively, the Colts accumulated 420 yards on 74 plays. That's 5.7 yards per play. It was the fourth time this season that they've had at least 420 yards in a game. They were 6 of 16 on third down, which is just 37.5%, which is still not good enough. Uh, But because of the aggressive nature of Reich, they were 2 of 2 on fourth down. So the shortcomings that they've been having really all season on third down, they've been kind of making up for on fourth down, but you don't want to have to back yourself into that corner to begin with. Uh, they were also 2 of 4 in the red zone at 50%, and they turned the ball over twice. Passing the ball, Phillip Rivers was 24 of 36, which is 66.7%, for 288 yards, which is an 8.0 yards per attempt. He had three touchdowns, one interception, was sacked once, for a pass rating of 1072 With the start, he tied Eli Manning for the 10th most games started in NFL history at 234, and with having a pass rating of at least 100, he also tied Brett Favre for the 4th most such games in NFL history with 108. 11 different players caught a pass from Rivers, including 5 players who caught at least 3. Leading the way was Michael Pittman Jr., who caught 3 balls for 66 yards and his first career touchdown. Uh, That was a 45-yard kind of weaving through traffic, one where he caught and run for the touchdown. The week before, he had his first career 100-yard game, so he's really growing. Zach Paschal had 54 yards on three catches. T.Y. Hilton had 36 yards on three catches. Naheem Hines had 31 yards on three catches. And Jonathan Taylor had 24 yards on four catches. Tight ends Jack Doyle and Trey Burton both had touchdown catches from Rivers. On the pregame show, I said it'd be wise for the Colts to get back to the basics by establishing the run and featuring Jonathan Taylor again, because this Packers defense has given up some big performances on the ground. The Colts did just that, and they established Taylor in a big way. They flipped it, and they had a big day on the ground led by their workhorse, and he had 90 yards on 22 carries, which is a 4.1 average. The team carried the ball 37 times for 140 yards, which is a 3.8 average. Uh, It was the team's second most productive day on the ground this year, and it's really the first time they've cut Taylor loose in a week, so they might want to keep sticking with that. It was Taylor's second best day in terms of carries and yards. Hopefully they stick with that because he was just a hoss against Green Bay, and it just looks like he's getting better all the time. Speaking of Taylor, he too spoke with the media after the game. Here's what he had to say about his day.
0: Uh, Jonathan, this this last three games before this one, was that the uh, first, I guess, quote-unquote slump you've had in your career? And, and how do you stay uh, up through that? Uh, really, one of the biggest things is, um talking to the te- talking to my teammates especially the running back uh room is realizing that hey it's the it's the nfl i mean you know it's not college and you know i had that mindset coming in i understood you know college was college um you know love my time there but now this is a new chapter there are new challenges new teams and you're gonna have to overcome them and uh you know just sticking with the process you know staying you know true to the process not trying to change things up too much um you, you know what you have to do each and every single week you know your preparation and your process
3: Zach Kiefer. Hey, Jonathan. Uh, first one for you in the NFL that's really gone down to the wire. What were your emotions like in the fourth quarter? You guys make big plays, they make big plays. How many times did you think, you know, the game had turned? And what were your thoughts in your head as the game got close to the end?
0: Um, it, it was exciting. I mean, I've only played in one overtime game in, in college and it went to triple overtime. Uh, So, yeah, I just only imagine, you know, once that clock hit struck zero that I I knew this was going to be a good one um, because, like I said before, it's the NFL. So it's going to go down to the wire. I was just ready to lock in and zone in every single detail. Every single thing is so critical when it's not overtime. So going into an overtime game in the NFL, you have to just be dialed in so much more. I don't even know how you can be dialed in so much more. That's how much you got to be dialed in.
1: Steven Holder.
2: Jonathan, um, I could be wrong. I had to look at the film, but it looked like some of those, some of your bigger runs, it looked like they were more like zone plays and you kind of had to cut back and read some things there. Do you like those? And just why, why
0: does, why did that work for you? Do you feel like? Those, those are definitely good plays. And a lot of times on those zone schemes, you really just let the guys up front work. You let the defense dictate, you know, their move. And then you really just read off of that. Uh, and I think, you know, that's one of the plays where you have to really have patience. And sometimes it's hard, you know, especially when, you know, you might be third and two, third and three, but you still need to have patience and let those blocks work. And, you know, just today I was able to kind of mm-hmm. slow things down and make sure that those guys up front do what they do best. We'll do two
2: more, Mike Wells.
0: Hey, Jonathan, um, you obviously uh, went to college in Green Bay, Green Bay country, Packers Country. What were you thinking on that final drive in regulation when Aaron Rodgers has the ball? I'm sure you've seen or heard many stories about Aaron Rodgers after going to school in Wisconsin. Yeah, so I was actually telling uh, some of the teammates, especially the running back group, uh, how much, you know, when I was in school, all they would talk about is Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. You can have a conversation about, you know, Tom Brady and Drew Brees and somehow they would bring up Aaron Rodgers and you know just understanding that you know when you got a quarterback like that uh, a great quarterback like that you got to keep him off the field so my mentality was if we get this ball back we got to make sure that we keep him off the field
3: okay last one George Bilecki
0: George
3: hey T good to see you man how you doing,
0: I'm doing well it's good to see you too
3: good to see you good good job today uh what did it feel like you played in plenty of big games throughout your college career and Mike just touched on it. You've heard so much about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers during your time in Madison. But How did it feel like in the biggest game of your NFL career so far, you put up, you know, 90 yards on the ground, plenty of big catches, and you just put in so many big plays down the stretch to help seal this win.
0: It was really fun. Like I said, once that clock struck zero, I just remember the last time I played an overtime game, um, It went to triple overtime. So I know in the NFL, it's going to go down to the wire. So I was just making sure that I was locked in 130 percent because it's going to be so critical uh, that you're locked in on every single little detail that you have to do in your assignment on each play.
1: On the defensive side of the ball, just another solid day by the Colts defense. They allowed 367 yards on 57 plays, which is 6.4 yards per play. The Colts have still yet to allow any opponent to have 400 yards in a game, which is just outstanding. Uh, The Packers were 4 of 9 on 3rd down, which is 44.4%, and 0 for 1 on 4th down, and they were 3 of 4 in the red zone, which is of course 75%. They also turned the ball over four times, uh, one interception and three lost fumbles, which is incredibly rare for them. They ranked second in the league coming into this game, which is five turnovers on the whole season, and they got four in this game alone. Passing the ball, Aaron Rodgers was 27 of 38, which is 71.1% for 311 yards. That's an 8.2 yards per attempt. He had three touchdowns and an interception. Uh, that pickoff was by Rocky Sin his first of the season and second of his career. And Rodgers was also sacked once by Justin Houston and had a pass rating of 110.7. Running the ball, the Colts did a good job of containing Aaron Jones in that attack. As a team, the Packers ran for 66 yards on 18 carries, which is a 3.7 average and a touchdown. Jones had 10 carries for 41 yards, which is a 4.1 average and the touchdown. Colts rookie safety Julian Blackman is making a legitimate push for Defensive Rookie of the Year. In overtime in this game, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers' offense were beginning their initial drive. Uh, They won the coin toss. You know, A touchdown wins it. The Colts wouldn't get a chance to to repeat. Blackman forced a fumble on Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which uh, Colts defensive tackle DeForest Buckner then recovered at Green Bay's 29-yard line. So right away they were in field goal range. Four plays later, Blankenship boots it in and the Colts are winners. Now, Blackman is is a pretty humble guy and he's usually going to look at the team first and he also spoke with the media about his game afterward. Hey Julian, uh, you know, you're you're early in your
2: career and you know, you you've seen a lot in these first few games, but Uh, Going up against Aaron Rodgers, what was that like today? A guy I'm sure you've been watching for many years. Uh, And what kind of challenge did he
3: present? Um, Honestly, he's amazing, man. Um, It's everything that the coaches were telling me um, going into pregame, just telling me this is going to show us where we're at um, because he will challenge us, you know, a future Hall of Famer, a quarterback like him. Um, It it was really fun to get to play against him. Well, Erickson?
0: Julian. uh, that's the third turnover you've created, like in, in the crunch time. What, what helps you stay calm and make those plays?
3: Um, honestly, that's, that's how I like to be um, in the games. No matter what, what happens, I try to stay even-kill um, just because you never know what could happen. Uh, any, anything could sway anything at any point. So I kind of just like to stay chill uh, throughout most of the game. Kevin Bowen? And I've got two. First is, could you just walk us through the fumble? Looks like you disengaged that block and then made the strip. Yeah, so I honestly had a feeling they were going to come back to that screen. They've been running it uh, quite a few times during the game. So, uh, you know, I came down and I had to get down in the box and split the two guys trying to block me. And I honestly aimed at his his arm because he's kind of swinging it. But um, I was getting blocked from behind, so it was kind of hard for me to finish the tackle. So I just swiped at it and happened to hit his arm.
1: And then is defensive rookie of the year something that was ever on your radar throughout the rehab, anything like that?
3: Definitely, uh, throughout my playbook. I, I I sat down, you know, and and literally wrote defensive rookie of the year all over my book because that's what I want. Um, I, I truly believe that that's that's the talent that I have uh, that I that I can help bring to this team. So it's definitely been on my mind. Zach Kiefer, Julian. After the um, after the Packers converted that forty seven yard pass late in the fourth, where was your head at, and was it hard to not think that Rogers was going to finish this one? <laughs> no, I I honestly just you know, what, what Phil says, new check B, um, next play. And I just I I try to get to the next play. Uh, don't let them score, they're not gonna score. That was the first thing that came to my head. All right, we'll go two more, Jim yeah, That was kind of my question, but uh, the other one is, did you know you forced the fumble right away? Um, honestly, I didn't know that I forced it until I got up. Um, so at first I, I knew I hit his arm, but I had no idea that the ball was out. Once I saw that the ball was on the ground, I started flipping out. <laughs> Did you know, and did you see DeForest just like definitively recover it or no? Yeah, I saw, as soon as I saw him jump on it, I knew it was our ball and I knew I, I caused the fumble. All right, last one, Olivia Ray. Julian, I want your comments on the rookie class beside you today because Jonathan going, making big plays down the stretch, you forcing that fumble and, and hot rod able to, to hit the walk-off winner. Just how does that feel knowing this is, you guys' this first time around? I think the coaches and the staff here, the management, they've all done a really good job in terms of recruiting. Um, I think it's huge on their part, uh, just bringing in guys that you know, other guys don't see as, as talented players that can make plays in the NFL. You know? uh, and so I honestly, I honestly had a feeling we were going to be really good as a rookie class, but just coming out and improving that ourselves and making plays like that makes, makes it even more uh, sure.
1: We've also got to give a nod to special teams in this one. Rodrigo Blankenship, of course, he went four or five on field goals, connecting on kicks of thirty-seven, thirty-two, forty-three, and the game winner from thirty-nine. Uh he had a fifty yarder that doinked to the bottom up, right? It's so not not quite enough to it. Uh he also converted both of his extra points. It was his first career NFL game winner, and it tied his single game high in field goals made, and it is he is only the second rookie in the NFL this season to record at least 14 points in a game, joining, uh, chase Claypool from the Steelers, who of course has generated a lot of buzz for himself this year. Uh, someone else who deserves a shout out is Rigoberto Sanchez. He only had two punts on the day, but both of them were downed inside the Packers 20, but his last one especially was gorgeous. Uh, on that drive that we mentioned where the Colts just had penalty after penalty, after penalty, they wound up punting and they, uh, They were only up by three points, you know, under two minutes left to go, kicking it to Aaron Rodgers with timeouts left, Uh, but Sanchez punted it beautifully It hit the turf and popped up in the air and was down at the Green Bay six yard line. So in that scenario, you literally couldn't have asked for a better punt. Uh, The Packers did get their field goal on the drive to tie the game, but Sanchez's punt again, it was just pretty much perfect. That is all for today, friends. Thank you so much for being with me as always. Uh, Remember to subscribe to the show and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, We can be found on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Luminary, and more. Follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts, and me personally at JakeArthurNFL on Twitter and Facebook as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. You can find my written work with Sports Illustrated at allcolts.com. Uh, for this little kind of postgame feature I'm doing, I'm writing about how the Colts defense has been incredible in the second half lately, smothering teams like the Titans and Packers on their way to wins. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the show, please send them to me through email at believeincolts at gmail.com or respond when I send out the call for questions on Twitter. Today's show was sponsored by Bet Online. If you're interested in advertising on Believe podcasts, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Or if you're interested in just our show, shoot me an email. We'll be back with you later this week to chat about the Colts and Titans in week 12. We should have Stoney Keeley from the Sobros Network with us again to break it all down. Have a great Thanksgiving week, everybody.